Thank you for listening to Steel Roses, a podcast for women by women. My name is Jenny. And I'm Melissa. And we're here to bring you inspiring content in a space where we can still be real about the everyday challenges for women. I think we should explain what this podcast is and who it's for. I admit I'm a podcast listener. And if you look, there's a lot of working mom podcasts out there. There's a lot of podcasts for professional women, for the female executive, um, podcasts that target women's mental health. But there's really not a lot of podcasts out there tackling a variety of these topics and how they interact with one another. And I think women are dealing with these issues, not neatly compartmentalized, but we're sort of kind of at the intersection of the of these things, you know? Right, exactly. And again, as Melissa mentioned, we actually both listen to other podcasts. So we know there's tons of podcasts out there, but why this one? Why is this one important? We really want to provide relatable information. We're not experts. Um, you know, we're not, you know, with the stars, like we don't have nannies or maids or, you know, I'm going to pause for a minute because if I could, I would have said it. More power to you. (laughs) Can't wait to be able to do that. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Personal chef, I'm all in. Um, But we do want to provide relatable content to everybody. We want everyone to feel like this is a place for me and I can relate to these people and this information. Um, This podcast is going to be based on real life experiences, real life challenges. And, you know, we're not experts. We're not healthcare professionals. Um, We really are just striving to bring you information to show you that you're not in this alone. We're all in this together. And on that note, we also want to create a safe space. Um, This podcast, we, we hope that for everyone that listens, they come away from this podcast feeling like, I, I've got this. I, I hear these women talking and I know what they're going through and I can relate to this. And this podcast makes me feel good afterwards because it's something that I, I'm hearing and it makes me feel like I'm not alone. And that's really what we want to, um, we want everyone to take away from this. Exactly. And we will, like we said, we are not, um, experts on every topic that we talk about, we're going to bring in factual information, um, or we'll bring in the experts themselves and help explain the experiences uh, that we're sharing uh, and help us understand these everyday issues, um, just like our listeners would. Uh, so, so that's exactly that's exactly what we're trying to do here: make something that's relatable that the average sort of woman is facing. All right. So before we get into it today, we just wanted to say thank you. We got some really great feedback from listeners for episode one. And you know, everything is still really new for us in this podcast world. So it was it really made our day to have some positive reactions. We actually got a few messages via social media. Uh, expanding what we talked about. And uh, so we might do a mini bonus episode in the coming weeks, uh, sort of as a response. But so stay tuned, stay tuned for that. Yeah. And as Melissa said, we really love the engagement. Um, If you'd like to write in comments or have requests for a topic, please, please write to us. Um, We love the interaction. We want the input. And at the end of the day, we really just want to be there for all of you. Um, If you're listening to our voices right now, we want you to know that we're here for you through this journey. And, you know, we'll continue to do this for as long as our sanity can can take it. (laughs) 
Um, you can really find us easily on Instagram. Our account is Steel Roses Podcast. Um, and our email is steelrosespodcast at gmail.com. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. So work-life balance. It's a biggie. Um, we're all used to that sort of typical definition that sort of floats around there about work-life balance. You know, the notion that it's like this state of equilibrium between a person's professional and personal priorities or, or the ability to partition your professional and personal life. <laughs> um, yeah, that sort of sounds part of that mystical state of being that, that we talked yeah. about. <laughs> so, uh. I've never achieved this ideal, uh, pre-kids or post-kids. So by all means, full disclosure, I'm definitely, definitely not an expert on this one. <laughs> no, um, I, I concur. You you know, and anyone who knows me knows that I'm pretty awful at this. Um, speaking specifically to my professional side of my life, um, I had this terrible motto when I started out in my career um, and I, I was the work 80 hours a week and be thrilled about it kind of, kind of professional. Oh, God, you were that person. Yeah. You know, I was at the office at 7 a.m., first one in, last one to leave kind of person. Um, I had this terrible motto. And um, when I told my current colleagues this, they, they cracked up because they just can't picture it because of the person I am today. Um, and I used to say to people years ago, Again, not current. If you have time to eat lunch, then you're not busy enough. And I was a, I know it sounds awful. And I was an advocate for um, trial by fire, which really means you get thrown into something with no guidance and you're left to sink or swim. Um, all of that boils down to toxic and non-existent work-life balance. Yeah. So we've both always sucked at this. <laughs> But, um, well, it turns out, even if we had been able to achieve that ideal state, um, COVID kind of blew up that longstanding notion anyway. Actually, uh, we were looking and the Harvard Business Review did a survey in late 2020 to sort of understand the impacts that COVID, were ha COVID was having on work-life balance and general well-being. Yeah, the results were not great. And uh, not surprisingly, women are taking the brunt. So about 80% of women uh, said that their workloads have increased because of the pandemic compared to 56% of their male counterparts. And 66% of women simultaneously reported having more responsibilities at home during this time. 25 percent of women are considering the leave or are, are considering leaving the workforce altogether. So that's huge. One mm -hmm. in four women are thinking about leaving their careers. So I, I promise I'm not going to bore you <laughs> with additional statistics, but but the research had shown previously that from about 2010 or on, women were never opting out of the workforce at higher rates than men. So that's a significant. Um, yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah, that's a significant shift. And the biggest reason they cited was work-life balance. Or lack of work-life balance really right. is the, the key there. Because, you know, during that time, um, it, it's interesting because it, I always picture my kids like in the future, 10 years from now, they're going to be doing history reports in high school and they're going to come to me and ask me for my view on the pandemic. Like that's where <laughs> I'm thinking of this. 
It isn't surprising that the lines have become completely blurred or non-existent in some cases. I'm incredibly grateful to be able to work from home, but there's no buffer time. Um, I'm not in the car commuting. I can't shift really into mom-wife mode. Um, the struggle is really real. And uh, now I know it all sounds very depressing, but there is a silver lining here. Um, the spotlight has been turned on and it's causing work-life balance to be re redefined and approached in a new way. Um, the good news, the female perspective is becoming more prevalent. Um, now, I had read an article in the Forbes Business Council. Um, Shelley Collade had uh, been quoted as saying, the problem, however, is that popular notions of work-life balance are individualistic and still place the onus on women to find the solution. Also, the struggles they face as a result of donning multiple hats tend to be beneficial to society. This upholds a pattern where society refuses to acknowledge its complicity in overburdening women, avoids the core concerns, and leaves women to fend for themselves all while, while profiting off of them. I want to emphasize here that society profits from the imbalance mm. of women's work-life balance. A um, couple more interesting quotes I wanted to pull from here. Um, social institu institutions like family, government, media, schools, religious establishments, clubs, and financial and policy groups need to play their roles in influencing support for women through the information they foist on society with regard to the fairness of shared social responsibilities and the promotion of equal resource allocation. What women need is not more tips on how to manage work and home, but rather institutional support that understands and adopts the peculiarities of being a career woman in today's society. I want to say that louder for the people in the back. We cannot make this change an individual level. It needs to happen at an institutional level. Yeah, no, agreed. And you, and you know what? Uh, an, an acknowledgement that it's an institution institutional culture that may be the problem may seem small, but I think this acknowledgement really packs a punch because it's shifting the pressure from the individual or the woman to the companies and agencies uh, to make workplace changes. And that's a first. I mean, really, right? Um, and they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're realizing that burnout is detrimental, not only to their employees, but to their bottom line. Um, because burnout results, they've shown in less productivity, higher turnover, you know, uh, de decreased engagement across the board, which ultimately impacts profits. Uh, so of course, that's what's motivating them money. But hey, you know what, right now, I'll take it if it means more institutional support for women, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, you know, early on when um, <laughs> when I first had my son, uh, I remember looking at, you know, the way that society supports women and, and working moms. And I was like, oh, look, there is no support. Like, it was, it was quite a shock for me. I, I didn't realize how much I would be left on my own to figure things out. Um, and if you look at other countries, oh the support is there. It's real. And that's why it's it's important to have this conversation and continue to have this conversation because this isn't something that, you know, we as individuals are going to be tackling. Like, yes, we have to try to find some methods for ourselves, but globally, it's something that needs to be addressed as a as a country, essentially. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, some companies have begun to make changes, um, you know, uh, they were talking about, you know, there's more women-focused mentorship programs. Uh, a lot of companies are going in on paid childcare, uh, flexibility uh, in terms of like there's no penalty work schedules. 
um, employees, especially women, are able to sort of create a schedule that um, that works for their families or for them. Uh, but it's a slow roll, right? Like only time will really tell if this can be a cultural change, um, like you said, sort of at the national type of level. Right. Exactly. Well, and if we scale back a couple of, couple of layers there, um, what um, what does that mean for us? Like us as a people, like we know that there has to be this major shift. And and we're very happy that this conversation is being put out there into the public domain. But how do we approach work life balance in our current circumstances? Melissa, <laughs> do you have any, any oh, feedback yeah. on that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But if I'm being honest, some days I'm just so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Which is real because you should see for everyone listening, you should see Melissa and I trying to figure out when oh, yeah. we can record that's this podcast. That's that actually because <laughs> sleep sometimes actually takes precedence over recording. <laughs> so clearly we have no um, secret formula that we can use here. <laughs> no, no, there is no recipe for success because that actually also is on an individual level. Um, I, I've mentioned a few times that I personally have struggled to find balance and continue to struggle to this day. Um, if you recognize this in yourself, I actually have some news for you. There is a particular reason for this. Um, there are things that women are specifically taught from a young age that affect our work ethic. And the word I'm going to throw out there is perfection. Um, when you have time, I strongly recommend Googling um, a TED Talk that I had come across. Um, it's called Teach, Bra- Teach Girls Bravery, Not Perfection. Um, when you look this up, you'll see a 12, roughly 12 minute talk by Rejma Swajani. Um, this actually caught my attention via LinkedIn when it popped up on my feed and the concept, which is very real, has an effect on every single thing that women do. The idea is that young girls are taught to be perfect, be nice, be quiet, be compliant. Don't be aggressive. That's not ladylike. Um, there's a lot of great insights in the video, but one example I want to pull out is about women applying to jobs versus men. Now I'm citing this directly from the video. Men will apply for a job if they only meet 60% of the criteria, while women will only apply for a job if they meet a hundred percent of the criteria. This is hugely significant and it ties into work-life balance because women will strive for that perfection in every aspect of our lives, it pushes us to the brink and beyond, but not in a good way, because it also causes us to be overcritical, overly critical and judgmental of ourselves, essentially catapulting us towards burnout. Um, this isn't just, you know, something for moms and this isn't something for just married women. This is also young single women, our daughters, our sisters, our cousins, Melissa, <laughs> that, you know, we, we, continuously push ourselves and and then we also in some instances take ourselves out of the running for things because we're like oh you know I worked really hard at this but it you know let me I'm going to bow out I didn't I didn't hit the nail on the head perfectly well no friend don't bow out like you know Mr. Joe Schmo yeah. over there is not going to bow out and he only did 40% of the work like get in there throw your hat in the ring um so it's just it's 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 very it's amazing because we will we'll cycle back to we're piling everything onto our plate to help out and in a way show, oh, we have value. I have worth. See how much I can handle and I can do it perfectly. And yes, you can throw more on my plate. No problem. Yeah. You know and what I'm saying? a smile on our face, right? What? 
Of course. Why um, not? <laughs> but yeah, no, absolutely. Especially post kids, I really felt, and again, this is not just an issue related to working moms, but I, I really did feel this pressure to prove to myself, to prove to my work that I could still do everything to the exact same level I always have, if not better. Um, you know, I had, I had this feeling like, oh, you know, you're going to underestimate me. Just watch. Let me, let me show you. So that's obviously not a healthy approach to take. Um, so we both have that problem, by the way, we both have that Um, problem, but let's Jenny, let's, let's get real. Right. What have you done to combat this? What's been your real life sort of no bullshit approach to creating some kind of work-life balance? Like in the moment, you know? Well, so it's interesting. Um, I, I'll have these moments of, um, I, I call them light bulb moments. And um, I, I keep saying this, but I've, I've always been terrible at work-life balance. And my husband <laughs> will attest to this because he definitely, he makes me aware when I'm starting to go a little bit too sideways. Um, last year I had um, a, a situation where I was put onto a very, a, a major project um, it took, it, it was going to be a heavy lift and I knew it. And it happened to be during the summertime when my kids were home from school. And I, um, I ended up getting this project put onto my plate. I didn't really have a choice about it. And I had to just dive into it. Um, now everybody, when I say dive into it, I actually mean I was up at 5:30 AM to work every single day. I would come up for air to feed everybody. And then I would go back down and, that was it. Like feeding and showers. That was it for about three weeks. That was the most um, I saw my kids was I feeding and showers. That. And I work from home. I so that's, I, we didn't talk that says all. a lot. <laughs> I didn't talk to anybody for like three weeks. And everyone was like, are you all right? And I was like, don't text me for another couple of weeks. Like it, it was, it was heavy. And what ended up happening at the end of that <laughs> was that I took my head up from my desk and the project was over and the clients were happy. Everything went really great. But then I looked over at my kids and it looked like they had grown. And that kind of crushed me <laughs> as a mom because I was like, oh my God, I just lost three weeks. This is when I stumbled upon this method. And you'd have to Google it. Um, it's, I call it the glass ball versus rubber ball method. It probably has a fancy name, um, but the glass ball, rubber ball method, um, applies to everybody. And essentially, uh, the way it works is you always have made, let's say 10 priorities a day. And in some cases like myself, (laughs) 75, and you consistently have to juggle them. Now, the way that what started to give me a little bit of relief was that every day, I would look at these priorities that I had. And while some of them were like urgents, which would be the glass ones, you can't drop them that day, those would take precedence. And the other priorities that were non-urgent, like folding laundry, um, would bounce. That's a rubber ball. That's a rubber ball, you know, priority. So it helped me to identify the things that like, okay, Jenny, don't beat yourself up. You didn't do one, two, and three, but you did do four and five, which were critical that's okay. It's okay to not perfectly complete everything every single day. It's okay, it's okay to accept that you had to deprioritize something else. Um, and it's not a perfect method. 
Um, I'm not saying that I have this wonderful balance. Um, anyone who knows me <laughs> will will definitely agree to that. Um, I think even my stepdaughter um, makes fun of me <laughs> sometimes because when we try to, when we talk about balance and everything and she, she jokes and says, what do I want to be like Jenny and have a nervous breakdown once a week? Like, you know, and <laughs> so it, it's real. I, I do struggle with it. I know most of us do. And it's just, again, it's one of those things that People don't really highlight in their lives. Nobody really wants to admit to it. Yeah. Um, so essentially, that's me in a nutshell with my imperfection. Um, Melissa, what about you? Yeah. So does survival count as a method? Um, uh, this is something that, again, I'm actively working on. But I have figured out a few things along the way. Um, and I think, uh, cousin, this is when our different life stages come into play, which is good because it makes us relatable to different people. So my daughter is uh, two years old, and Jenny's kids are six and seven. And you, and you know, um, I know I'm going to blink, and she will be in school too. And at, and this the end of this baby stage will sort of be over, you know. Um, and in a way, the pandemic forced me to pause and think about what I really wanted uh, and not just what I thought I had to do, right? And ultimately, that made me think about work-life balance in a new way. So um, like I mentioned, my baby girl was born at the start of the pandemic. Uh, so after being home with her during the lockdown, I really wanted to figure out a way where I could be with my daughter a good portion of the time while still sort of maintaining successfully um, my work life, right? Uh, so fortunately, I, I do. I'm very grateful. I have a, flex, a flexible job that allows me to do this. But some days I freaking look like a hot mess. <laughs> there are certain weeks where I'm just really grinding. You know, I'm waking up before anyone else in my house, kind of like what we're doing today cousin, uh, and doing work. Then I'm being with my daughter, uh, cooking dinner. We have a little family time. And then when she's back in bed, I go and do work for a bit. So is it ideal? Definitely, definitely not. Um, but it's temporary. And this kind of work-life balance or rather imbalance, um, it's, it's given me more time with my daughter. And that's what I've chosen, uh, is the priority for me at this particular moment, right? Um, now, disclaimer, this is likely going to change soon, and I'll probably be coming for advice uh, <laughs> for transitioning at the end of the summer, but that's that's what's working now. Um, but again, all that to say... You know, Melissa... Can can I can I, I want to interject, actually. I, you actually said something really important here, and I yeah. think everybody needs to hear this. You said it a few times. This is what's yeah. working for me right now. That's the key thing here, everybody. And and I said we've said it we said it on our first episode. You have to do what's working for you right now in this moment. Okay, yes, there's a lot of lofty ideas about oh, how am I going to balance work? How am I going to balance my you know my personal life? And again, it's for single women. It's for you know married women. It's for mothers. You you have to do what's working right for you in that moment. Okay, yes, you might go in balance for a few weeks, like what happened to me. But then once you get through that. It pushes you to recognize it for the next time. And it's really critical to lay down the foundation of having um, some semblance of like, I have a boundary here. Because if you do not get into the practice of setting boundaries, it will affect all, every aspect of your life. Sorry, oh, Melissa, yeah, go ahead. That, I didn't want to interject that there, but so it was important. Point. 
Um, but again, all of this to say that we are definitely not experts when it comes to this. However, um, creating a type of balance has essentially boiled down to basically two things for me. Um, so I, this isn't really a method, cousin, but <laughs> these are the two things that have sort of worked. Um, the first being intentionality. So I have... I have to be extremely intentional with my time. So before I fell into that sort of perfectionist rabbit hole, my God, I used to rewrite my papers and do double analysis because I wanted to have everything <laughs> at that 110% level. Um, yeah, as much as I still like to be able to do that, or, or maybe not really, but no one has time for that anymore. Time is precious, right? For us, for our families, mm -hmm. uh, for our kids, our relationships. So I really have to make it count now. Um, which brings me to my second point, and th this was huge for me, being able to say no. So uh, Jenny, you mm -hmm. know I'm a people pleaser by nature. It's just how, how I've sort of operated through life. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend it. Um, but I have a tendency to overextend <laughs> and I say yes, participating in extra meetings, doing extra, being part of a project, papers, even family things. You, and you can attest to that. So yeah, I can, I can, I can and, back that up. <laughs> I've had to get better at saying no, no, but thanks. You know, but when I'm trying to yeah. make those commitment decisions, I really step back now and ask myself, is it worth it? Is it worth being up till midnight? Mm -hmm. Is it worth taking time away from my daughter? Is it worth losing right. the little bit of me time I carve out? So when you do that, you, you soon realize what your priorities are. And that's my biggest piece of advice. Like kind of like what you said with the glass ball approach, figure out what really matters to you and what works for you. So I know my work-life balance right now isn't going to ever be that neat partition. I know it's not going to be that long-standing ideal. I'm probably going mm -hmm. to be really tired some days, but I give myself the leeway knowing it's one, this isn't forever. And like you said, this is the kind of work-life balance that works for me right now based on what I want, you know? And that's the thing. I think work-life balance has to make sense for you, just like you said, and it looks different from person to person and it changes. Um, you know, I always thought of the work-life balance, like reaching that ideal state, but, but it's not a state. It, it constantly changes as you enter different phases of your life, as you enter different phases for your children's lives or, or, or your career stage, let's say. Um, so give your, I think that's a big thing. Give yourself the flexibility to figure it out and just make sure that you find a balance that's sustainable for you. Um, we know like you can't keep everything going if you're burned out all the time. Right. Yeah. That, that's that's a fair point. And, you know, there there's a, a lot of what you talked about. Like, there's a couple things I wanted to touch on and just kind of highlight for, for everyone listening. Um, taking stock of what the ask is, you know, um, a bit something that I had started doing, I want to say about 
15 years ago or 14 years ago is that, um, and it sounds a little cheesy, (laughs) (laughs) but I had, but, um, I had read all these books about, you know, um, you know, resetting your, your, your vibration basically, and, and making sure that what you're doing with yourself and with your life was bringing joy to you. Um, and so anytime I was presented with a scenario or asked to do something, I would actually take a step back and internally take stock and say like, oh, is, is this making me happy? You know, is this something that I'm doing because I want to do it? Or is this something I'm doing because I feel obligated to do it? Nine times out of 10, if you feel obligated to do something and you don't really want to do it, well, you're probably going to be frustrated because you're going to go and do it. Everyone else will be happy that you are doing what they asked, but now you're frustrated and annoyed because maybe it took time away from something you wanted to do with yourself or your partner or your kids or whatever. And it's important to to really be aware of that and make sure that you're acknowledging that before you, you know, start piling things on that you don't really want to do. Um that's a huge thing that I learned that really has impacted how I operate and what I do on a regular basis and what I accept into my life and to my family's life. Um, and then again, the other key component too is adaptability here. Women are adaptable creatures. Like we are amazing. And by creatures, I mean like we're fantastic beings. Like women are adaptable. And that's part of, we talked about on our last episode, um, you know, our adaptability to becoming mothers. Like it's difficult, but there's biological things there that set us up. There's a precedence there. Um, being adaptable means that with each scenario, you're not going to just plow ahead like a bulldozer and say, well, I've always done it this way. Um, this should still work here. Well, no, now your situation might change or now, you know, you have to make that that connection that, okay, well, what I'm doing with my kids when they're infants is not going to work now that they're older. You know, like there's that adaptability factor there. What I did when I was single is not going to work when I'm married or what, you know, like there's just things to think about and to take into consideration. So it's important to give yourself that that time and really take stock of what you're doing and and if you're really happy with yeah, that. No, a hundred percent agreed. Um, and and a lot of this, I think, between the first episode and and what we're talking about today, I think that has a lot to do of like self reflection. You know, we don't. People are so busy, mm-hmm. and we all have so many things to do. We don't give ourselves that time. And again, it comes back to sort of giving yeah. yourself that time and figuring out um, how you're going to make this work now, at what stage you are at now. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think, again, the perfectionist, but I had to let go that I can't keep doing things the exact same way. What worked for me yesterday isn't working for me today. So how can I, like you said, adapt, adjust mm-hmm. um, to make my work-life balance, what, whatever the issue is, work for me here and now, you know? Right. Exactly. And I mean, it's something that like, you know, Melissa and I both strive for and we both continue to to look at our lives and, and reassess and re- take stock. And then you prioritize what you want to prioritize. We're prioritizing this podcast because we think it's important. We want everybody to know that if you're struggling with work-life balance, like, so are we. We're all struggling with it. But again, nobody really talks about it. People don't talk about how that intersection of 
professional professional Jenny, with mom Jenny, with wife Jenny, with you know chef Jenny, (laughs) with entrepreneur Jenny. Like all those things intersect, and you know there there isn't always going to be a perfect balance there. It's almost rare that there is a perfect balance that only happens like once in a blue moon for for me. But I do, you know. It's interesting because there, those moments do happen, everybody. Like, and, and you'll see. Like, I mean, everyone who's listening to this, I'm sure there's moments where you're like, "Oh my gosh, I got this! I hit the nail on the head." But in the next 30 seconds, <laughs> um, for me, it's like everything blows up and it's chaos. It goes from calm to chaos like really fast for me. So it's just, um, it's just one of those things. You kind of just roll with it and deal with it. And I used to fight. You know, if you're, did you do that? Like, I used to fight exactly against it and now i realize if you em- not embrace it but you know what i mean if you accept it and 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 reflect and adjust it's much better than mm-hmm. but i used to do it this way and that's the way i want to do it you know right like don't fight it go with it and it's critical that for you to have peace for yourself it's critical that you're doing the things that you want to do. So maybe you don't have a perfect balance, but if make if it makes you happy to do something or priority certain things, like go with those priorities. You have to do what's right for you because you might not have a balance, but at least you're going to feel good about what you are prioritizing. And I think that sort of brings us into our key takeaways uh, for this episode. So Jen. <laughs> Right. That was a good segue. <laughs> um, so a couple of key takeaways um, that I jotted while we were <laughs> – yeah, um, it's um, a couple of key takeaways that we wanted to just go over and I jotted down while we were chatting here. Um, you don't have to be perfect. However, you, however you're able to successfully get through your day with your sanity intact, that's a win in my book. Like yeah, celebrate that. Please celebrate. take that take that seriously. Celebrate it. If you got through the day with your sanity and you, you know, you got the priorities done, the hot, the glass balls, great for it. Good. Be happy with that. Um, work-life balance is a major challenge across the board, whether you have children, a partner, or you are single. Um, find a method to set a balance um, standard that works for you. Setting that standard and practicing that standard is it's so important. And to start it when, you know, when you're young is going to help set the tone for the rest of your life. So I highly encourage, you know, re- do research on your own and figure out a method that really helps you to prioritize. Um, and lastly, we can't change the current fabric of society. Um, what's currently our, our reality, um, it is our reality, but we can affect change and hopefully put our children in a better position to have a more balanced future. And that's going to happen, as we noted, at an institutional level. So putting this message out there and putting our voices out there now is going to affect the future. That's huge. And it's something that we really should be focusing on. um, Hopefully our, you know, children, our daughters in particular, will be having a different conversation about this in the future. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so we want to thank everybody who, who hopped on with us and listened to this episode. Um, uh, and again, we encourage you, you know, find us on Instagram, still roses podcast and, you know, reach out to us via email. If you want, have an episode request or suggestion, um, we want to hear about it. Um, still roses podcast at gmail.com. Yes, um, thank, thank you, you all for See listening. You next week. <laughs>